0: Listening to the One of Us.net podcast network. One of Us is a podcast and video network funded all but entirely by donations and subscriptions. We do accept pitches for audio based or banner ads, but on a case by case basis. If you are interested in that, contact us at one of us at gmail.com.
1: Hello, this is Bradley Martin with the Screener Squad. We're going HBO Max Euphoria Season 2. Is everybody happy? Is everybody sad? Is everybody still searching for something that can make them happy, but won't destroy them personally? Love and other drugs?
0: <laughs> you know, I gotta say my favorite thing about Bradley's shows is that they sound like the best smooth jazz episode on any radio station.
2: You're <laughs> listening to the After Hours. This is Bradley Martin with Euphoria. <laughs> this
0: is Love and Other Drugs. <laughs> love and Other Drugs.
1: It's a Jillian Hall uh, Hathaway underappreciated project from a long time ago. <laughs> so Euphoria Season 2, though, produced by Zendaya... Zendaya, Zendaya, thank you. Zendaya, producer, Sam Levinson, the creator. Oh, I have some words to say about him. (laughs) Right. Uh, He's certainly a buzz on the Twitter and other social medias for all you kids out there. We'll be talking about this together, though. There's three of us with me, the height of excellence. Shaq is with us. Hi, hello. And you might even say this gentleman is the Lexi of one of com. TC is with us. Hey,
2: I'll take that. I was going to give you like a, hey, let's do this, but uh, Lexi. <laughs> <laughs> Lexi is my favorite character this season. So actually she was my favorite character in season one as well because I had never watched this show. So when I signed up for season two, because for some reason there wasn't a flood of people who wanted to jump on this. It was just you two. And I was like... I'm not going to leave my boys hanging. I'll jump in on this. I'll just have to watch season one as well. Oh, so you did both. both. Yep, I watched season one. I watched the two short (laughs) films in the middle and then straight into season two. And it basically felt like one full season to me. And, yeah, so I'll be the Lexi of the group. Yeah, I'm cool with that. Very good.
1: Shaq, thank you so much for getting us started with the (laughs) synopsis.
0: Yes. So – uh, with what happens in this season, the main things to focus on are that Rue has completely relapsed into her addiction, and she's like she's met this new guy, Elliot, at a party, who feeds into this drug addiction, and it causes very massive strains in her relationships with her parent, with her like with her mom, her friends, her girlfriend Jules, played by uh, Hunter Schaefer. That's what plot line number one. Plot line number two. <laughs> is Cassie, played by Sydney Sweetie, getting into a relationship with
2: her- Psycho! Friend,
0: oh, man. <laughs> the journey of Cassie, <laughs> getting involved with her best friend's ex, Nate, the fucking psychopath from yeah, last Yeah,
2: that's, season. just to be clear, that's the psycho here. Nate is evil. My God!
0: Nate is the goddamn devil.
2: <laughs> he's not. He's not Joffrey evil here, right? He's not Gus Fring evil here. He's Ramses from Game of Thrones evil here. This dude is messed up, and I feel no sympathy for him at any point in this series.
0: He went just. He went from zero to Joffrey for me in like two episodes of <laughs> season one, and just continued down the path. Yeah, but things happen, which we might, we may or may not touch on. Because here's the thing: this season is what six, to eight episodes, so much happens, and so little happens at the same time.
2: But the Nate Cassie storyline is definitely one of the big plots of the season, for sure.
0: The thing about this show is that it's essentially a high school show and not a high school show at the same time. Like, s- s- plot A and plot B are so far removed from each other, especially anything that had to do with Rue was so beyond the high school bullshit that the other characters are
1: going through. Mm-hmm. She does have my favorite episode of the season when she's doing kind of like a run, Lola, run, oh my I want God. drugs, but also I don't want to go to rehab mm-hmm. type of situation. That was my favorite episode of that the
2: season. That opening, it's like a 10-minute opener of her just blowing up at the house, at her mom, at her sister, various others. And it's just, listen, She just give her the Emmy. Just give her the Golden Globe. Just watch this. It's A stunning performance from her. It's spectacularly filmed like much of the show is. But that episode in particular, there's only one line of internal narrative where she says, please God, don't let me die. And that's unique to the rest of this series, which she narrates constantly. Tense.
0: Genuinely, like, I... I don't... I have usually mixed feelings about, like, the whole... Like, using narration as a, like, a storytelling device because obviously Mm -hmm. we've seen a lot of times where it can go wrong and a lot of times where it can go right. But with Rue... Essentially, alter like I would not say altering, but like because we're so exclusively in her headspace. There's times where they use that to great effect because there's an episode when they go briefly to Jules because they had just had yes. like a big explosion, <laughs> mm-hmm. and they're like, you know, I don't want to fucking talk about Jewels, so just cut that whole storyline out of this episode. Just go <laughs> to the next thing.
2: She's a very unreliable narrator, and not that this is a show that warrants predictions, but there's a part of me that feels like. The narration we're hearing is omniscient, looking at the past, and I think we're listening to Rue from death and in a very American Beauty-type way of reflecting on her whole life, possibly. Okay.
1: Okay. Now, that is a fan theory. No spoilers in this review, per se?
2: Correct. No spoilers there. That's just me off the top of my head there.
1: Now, something a little disappointing about this season, Barbie Ferreira, who became an influencer, I guess you could say, a fanfic sensation as the character Cat Hernandez, not in this season at all. She had a bit of drama with dating a good guy for her, but not really wanting to date him at all. That's actually very, uh... Ethan! My,
0: my boy <laughs> Ethan was so innocent!
2: <laughs> Dude, of these characters, and now I'm quite removed from high school at this point by a couple decades, I could relate to him and Lexi the most when I reflect back at my high school life early college life the two characters that i could see myself in were poor ethan and and poor lexi and yeah ethan cat storyline it's very brushed aside i do feel bad for her because that season one arc of her becoming empowered and sort of finding and understanding her sexuality and then finding a nice guy was sweet and in this it's just very i don't know does she piss off sam levinson because that's what it feels like
0: that's the thing. That's what I heard. Like, there's a there's a big rumor that's been going around that she had a big argument with Sam Levinson, and he just straight up just cut like most of her stuff. Ah, oh, that's and a shame. Considering this season, because even though he created the show, this season he wrote and directed every single episode, and mm-hmm. that's oh, when wow. those one those moments where I have to go, you need a writers room for this because so much of the stuff feels like. You're doing – you're trying to do too much for the sake of just, like, being shocking or different or whatnot. Like, I think back to, like, Mr. Robot. I don't know if you guys have seen it, but season two, uh, Sam Esmail, he either wrote or directed every episode, and it showed that there was too much creative freedom because he was doing too much stuff that didn't advance the story in any way. It was cool-looking, but it didn't do much – in terms of actual progression, and it left people cold. So that's why by, like, season three and four, they reined that back in, and it worked so much better in their favor. So I think that's something that needs to happen with this season, like, with the show going forward.
2: I see what you're going with there. I, I see what you're getting at there. Uh, there was, There was a feeling of less impact in this season than the first season. The first season is a very incredibly well-done eight episodes. You feel like you've seen... 25 episodes for how well those fir- those first season episodes are written. And this one does pull the brake a little bit. Not that it's bad. I still think this show is spectacular. It's very well, very, very well done. But I see what you're saying about that missing voice, that when it's one singular voice, one singular vision, that can make or break a show a little bit. And yeah. Yeah.
1: Now, a complain about season one that season two kind of corrects or maybe it just makes things worse. Uh, where are the parents at? We actually get oh. to see a lot more parents <laughs> this season and they're kind of, they're kind of over their heads, don't know what to do or, and it's in an honest way. Um, mm-hmm. one child throws up all over the place at a party in a very inconvenient time and the parent <laughs> is just covering her eyes, rubbing her temples, all like,
2: holy, what the? F-?
1: Come on, kid! And I, I say I can, relate to, I can that.
2: relate to Ethan and Lexi the most, <laughs> yeah. but I think Susie, Lexi, and Cassie's mom might be my favorite character. Oh <laughs> yeah, did. she yeah. was amazing, especially <laughs> in like
0: the last couple episodes. The big like play that happens, mm-hmm. she is just living for everything that's just happening on stage.
2: <laughs> She's just having a blast. <laughs> but I do feel bad for the parents. They are trying their damnedest, and it's a good reflection of what this show does in their storytelling, you can relate to these high school kids with their high school problems to a point. If you didn't grow up in dire straits like some of these kids did, you probably can't relate to the drug issues and whatnot. But the normal relationship struggles that are reflected here, I think they're all very relatable. Now being out of high school, being an adult... I feel bad for these parents because they're just as flawed. The parent we get the most of is Cal, and Cal has quite the story arc in this season. I'm not saying I feel sympathy for the guy, but I don't think he's evil.
0: Here's my take on this: fuck the Jacob family, fuck every <laughs> single person in that family. Name is, name, like we said, is the devil. We see that he got it from Cal, who's just who, not maybe not as evil at points, but still very evil. And then I was thinking, oh, maybe the mom might be innocent. No, there's an episode nope. where she goes, yeah, no, she's just as evil just as, as the mother, guys.
2: I got a question for you two. Who's that third kid in that portrait?
0: That is a mystery.
2: He's when probably Cal took the portrait, or something. Yeah. Is there another brother in this scenario that's going to be added into this story that's just going to be like, oh, man, you're even worse. Just,
1: just talented Mr. Ripley-ing it across Europe. Oh, you my know, God. That third Jacob's kid.
0: You know what? I, I, have one thing to I have one thing to say. Is that TC, you said, uh, what about the parents? My question is, just like everybody else, what about the teachers? This, yeah. So <laughs> this much- school. <laughs> I have not seen a single teacher in this, episode, in this entire season. Who is educating
2: these children? <laughs> hey, there was a dress code when I went to school, and I don't think any of these girls would pass the dress code. <laughs> the way how
0: Cassie got up every single morning at 4 a.m. To be obsessed with this with Nate, and for nothing, You'd be like, and so many of the dresses, you're just like, why are you wearing this in high school?
2: She looks <laughs> like a real expensive caught with a senator hooker.
0: <laughs> oh, man. Although I do got to say, Sydney Sweeney, as much as I roast her character's arc, her character arc throughout this entire season, because this uh, this season for her can just be summed up as she's going down bad. She goes through the goddamn ringer in the, the season, but, like, she's doing her damnedest, and it works for the most part. It's near the... I think the last episode, when they try and make her a semi-villain type thing, I think that stuff doesn't work, but I don't know if that's because of the writing, or... I don't think it's because of her as much as... Yeah, the writing. They try and make her seem villainous, but it just doesn't work. you are just like... You're not built for this.
2: Nah, she's a fool. And she's a fool who... She lets people walk all over her and get away with stuff, and she never learns her lesson. She has her issues with McKay that we see culminate in this season, and she doesn't learn from it. She gets right back into her bad habits. And the main big set piece of this whole season comes down to a play that Lexi puts on. And it's a reflection of Lexi's life, how she has observed it. Because if you remember, in season one, she is very much in the background. She is an observer through most of season one, although the reason she's my favorite character is her Bob Ross costume from Season One, which she's like <laughs> the backup, interrogating the I'm like, "Lexi, I love you." <laughs> but she puts on this play, and she puts on display what she has observed, and part of that is her relationship with Cassie, and as pissed off as Cassie gets, and I'm not saying Lexi is innocent for how she approached this. Lexi didn't put anything on that stage that Cassie didn't already put out there herself. The secrets of Cassie remain secrets because Lexi was sensitive to at least some of the things she had done, but her riding that horse and getting off on it, that's in the play. And Cassie can be pissed about that, but she did it. <laughs> and I think Lexi, that
0: back, I was like, you just outed yourself for doing that. What <laughs>
1: was well, so bizarre is Cassie, the, Character is played by Sydney Sweeney, she's like times a hundred in extremities of what Cassie, the character in the play Lexi created was. Like nowhere near as crazy and bizarre
2: and dangerous and Lexi even and says psychotic. pull it back. She yeah. even says pull it back. It's not <laughs> funny.
1: Yeah, pull it back. You're an actor. Stop crying.
2: <laughs> Just take the note and move on. Also, one person I know I forgot to mention about in the description, but like Fesco. Man-
0: Fesco, yep. Fesco's my guy. Like I want nothing bad to, I want nothing bad to happen to that man. Especially him and Lexi, because they ha- have like a little bit of a bond that becomes sort of like a romance. But it's mm-hmm. like, out of all the cynical, dark things that are happening in the show, their relationship is like the most pure thing. And every time I'm just like, I just want y'all to hold hands and just, like, watch movies together and stuff. Like, it's genuinely adorable. Like, they yeah, have Fez, really good com- chemistry together.
2: Fez, come into Lexi's life. Do not bring her into your life.
0: <laughs> Man, and as a being hit, as a result of him being a drug dealer, some violent shit happens. And, who?
2: Jeez. Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah.
1: Fezco's like the narcotic Daniel Plainview with his partner, G.H. Ashtray.
2: Oh, my God. <laughs>
1: Ashtray, what a little
2: psychopath.
0: <laughs> I love their backstory episode.
2: <laughs> yes. This this season had two really great backstory episodes. I think the Cal episode is very spectacularly done. And Fezco and ultimately Ash's backstory episode is really great too. It's They work as short films. And you come to understand these characters every time you tap more into who they are. And I really appreciated that the season remain consistent in starting an episode off. And Rue basically tells you, here's who this episode's about proceed.
1: And she has a beautiful voice for narration as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, I guess the final thing I wanted to touch on what was so powerful about season one. And I had my mother-in-law actually watch a couple of choice episodes, not the whole thing with me because mm-hmm. she used to work in a clinic and, uh, the two specials, the one particularly between, uh, Zendaya and Coleman Domingo at a diner. She said was the incredible. most powerful, important episode of television she's ever seen.
2: Absolutely incredible. It's not put in with the seasons on HBO Max. You have to find it independently of it. But absolutely, I watched that episode last night because I didn't know it existed until last night. And it's, wow, yeah, sort of like a prelude to season two. Yeah, yeah, that's a
1: good way of putting it. Now, does anything realistic? still hit for you guys by season two or has this just gone completely off the rails where's your scaling on that um well
0: uh, i think it's not as much the realism like i'm still if anything i'm still very interested in what happens but there are some very important plot things that they just left completely unopened like that they don't even like think of addressing at the end like the in the finale so like something happens with rue and she gets involved with this uh drug dealer i believe
2: her name is laurie like the character's mm. name is Lori. i don't remember who plays her she's but... got the calmest voice you've ever heard hey Ru. <laughs> she does it chilling. looks like you're overdosing Spirit would you like she, some morphine legitimately
0: just terrifying and how just nonchalant about how she is because rue fucks up bad and she escapes a very dangerous thing but they don't ever come back to that because there's something that happened from that that's very outstanding that like Drew basically ends off and just like, hey, things things might be okay and da 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 da, da but they don't explain this other plot line. And you're like, um, yeah, that kind of has to come back around next season. So I'm still very invested. I still like, I still very much like the show in spite of a lot of the flaws that shown itself this season. (laughs) One thing, one thing I have to also briefly mention: Dominic Fike, Elliot. That song that played in the finale.
2: Oh, my it God. Like five fucking minutes. <laughs> <laughs> Cut away. My God, man. At the I end, didn't I even finish video, it.
0: Check me out on Spotify. You yeah. that
2: six minute song? He's like, I'm still working on it. Shut up. Yeah. <laughs> so
0: this, is, this shit is done. He's got three verses.
2: So, Bradley, to answer your question about the reality and the realism of this show, I do think this sort of shifted itself a little bit more into melodrama. It already was a melodramatic show, but not in a soap opera, primetime soap kind of way. It has a lot of impact. It still is touching on some really dark, deep, relatable themes. And this season just reinforces a lot of what we saw important in the first season, th- mostly through Rue and her relationships as she deals with her drug abuse and whatnot. And I think when they're really leaning into that element of the storytelling, talking about addiction, and talking about dependency. Not just through but through everybody. When they really hammer that theme. They crush it every time. Because this is a show about seeking happiness. Seeking euphoria. And how goddamn hard that is. Probably harder than it's ever been. Thanks to social media. And the advancements of drugs. And how drug abuse and mental health. And just emotional health is dealt with. And when the show hammers those moments. They hit hard, and they are hard to watch, but they are so well done that it's a weird thing to say, this show is so hard to watch, but it's so good at the same time.
1: Excellent. I carry that into your final thoughts, your final scoring there.
2: Well, in Sam Levinson's own words, the trajectory of the season has always been how does Rue find hope? And Lexi's play allowed her to look back at her life without a level of judgment that she's normally had when thinking about her past. We saw that a lot in season one, and we touched on in season two. Much like we look at Rue as an aunt, we can see the goodness in her. And this show is about love and friendship and about when you're younger, everything just feels so damn permanent. But as you get older, everyone drifts away. And if you're lucky, you have one or two friends that are more than that, that are your family. And Rue and Lexi are the two friends who lost their dads, and they realize how much they mean to each other. A deep friendship like that is necessary to survive life, whether you're on drugs or not. This show is dark and upsetting, and it's not sexy. I think people could mistake this as a sexy show. You guys can correct me if you're wrong, but any point where it feels like it's supposed to be sexy, is it's upsetting. Because these are children, and they have no sense of reality outside their tiny little worldview. It's produced, written... Acted, scored, edited incredibly well, and this show uh this show is not fun to watch, like it'll lift you up, but it crushes it every time. It's goddamn good storytelling. And I can sit here and tell you how it makes me never want to have children and it makes me reflect on the kids I grew up with that <laughs> struggled. <laughs> but I can also say how darkly funny it is at time, balancing the drama and the levered and the levered <laughs> and the levity. Expertly. If you're listening to this, you've probably already watched the show. If you're trying to find a way to tell someone to watch the show, tell them this It's Requiem for a Dream Meets Mean Girls. (laughs) 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 That will tell them everything they need to know. And as hard as it is to watch sometimes, this show is amazing. And I'm giving season one and two a nine out of 10 stacks of therapy pancakes.
1: Very nice. Shaq, your final thoughts.
0: I'm j- I'm doing just strictly season 2 because like in se- actually in our best of 2019 video I put Euphoria up on my as my favorite TV show of that year because it was just something I'd never seen but bo- like I'd never seen a show like this done this way before and it was very refreshing. Um this season is I think it mostly keeps up at, like it it's still very enjoyable But I think a little bit too, like, too few cooks in the kitchen. This needed a couple more. Because some plot lines don't gel the way that they should. Um, Some characters get left completely by the wayside. It's been two seasons and Gia's done nothing but cry in every episode that she's in. (laughs) (laughs) Uh but I still enjoyed all the performances. Zendaya will probably get another Emmy just off that episode. Uh, I think it's episode five, which might as well be the Mandius of this show because it's chaos. Uh, if there's anything that like if you want to show somebody how crazy the show is, just show them that episode. Because even without the context of like everything coming behind it, you can just see this episode of just like, oh, this this girl's a crisis. Yeah, no, I still highly enjoyed the show. All the performances are fantastic. Um, Even Nate, evil fucking Nate. Like, Uh, James Valordi must be the (laughs) nicest dude in the world to play the character that is despicable. Um, (laughs) I still highly enjoyed it, so I will give it eight suitcases full of coke out of ten.
1: Very good. So I'm in agreement with both of you. Honestly, if the show makes you too miserable, because there's a lot of misery in this, Especially those poor Howard sisters. Uh, awful. I have uh, a lot of kids myself, and I don't like to think about them while I oh, watch this oh, show. Oh, I <laughs> didn't even think about you watching as <laughs> a Yeah. So, very stressful watch. But yeah, I recommend anybody, just check out Zendaya in this show. Uh, you don't need context at all. Watch the finale to see her shine, especially... When she's sharing dialogue with uh, the the actress that plays her mother, Nika King, uh, Leslie Bennett. Oh my gosh, such powerhouse performances. And none of it comes across as silly or melodramatic. And I hate using the word real to describe art because art is subjective, of course. But oh my gosh, it's so real. I loved it. Uh, The rest of the season was pretty torturous and miserable. (laughs) I'm shocked that Rue, the drugged-out character who, at the end of season one, we find out kind of wants to die doing a bender or whatever you crazy kids call your drugged-out weekends, is my favorite character to watch because it's so miserable. But it's incredible acting. She's going to get an EGOT, I think, eventually. I'm going to give season two... I'll also give it 8 out of 10. Stop or I'll shoot you in the head I, from the police and the drug dealers that are after you. Everybody's threatened to kill everybody in this intense I, I gotta, season. I got I to
0: say this. Uh, I'm hoping that, like, I feel like when you're watching the show, you're just like, I just need none of my kids to end up like Ashtray. Oh, <laughs> <Yeah>. my <laughs> like, God. Yeah. It, it up <laughs> <until> <laughs> just being like this violent-ass drug dealer. <laughs>
2: psychopath he's mini me you know and like in a comedic sense in awesome powers mini me is always just like running over and trying to murder scott that but serious like, not funny me.
0: he's just like what you, like, he's like age seven and already knows how to use like a fucking m16 you're like yo what are you doing bro
2: <laughs>
0: why do you even have that
1: <laughs>